Just take that in now. Man, just, just worship him just for a moment. Believing that God is for me and with me. I believe that will change everything. Heavenly Father, as we transition, Lord God, right now into your word, Lord God, as we transition right now, there's people in this room right now that are going through a hardship, that are suffering, Lord God, and they need to know that God is for them, Lord God, that God is with them, Lord Jesus, and that we as a church, we're with them, Lord God. That we as a church, we're for them, Lord God. Many people have come here with, with just weight on their back, Lord God. I pray that they would find freedom today, Lord God. And it comes in worship as you just release in yourself to God and say, I cast all my cares on you. I cast all my problems, Lord God. I trust you with my life. And as we hand over the keys of our life, that God will free you up and he will show you, he will lead you. God is with you and for you today. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. You guys can be seated. Greet the person next to you. Say hello. Take your time. Tell them hello. Tell them hi. What's up, dude? Good morning. Yeah. Man, no one likes you, Paul. I mean, it's just like... There's at least three seats on both sides of you. <laughs> yeah. Oh, here it is. I found it. All right. No, I'm, Brittany's coming off here. Here we go. All right, check. That's much better. Now, hold on. Talk amongst yourselves. Hold this for one second. All right, now I'm ready. Hold on, one more moment. Let's pretend nothing's going on, all right? But uh, welcome. If you're a guest, my name is John. Thank you for being here. Honestly, thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope that, uh, that you can just sense that God wants to do something within us. Yeah, that God doesn't only want to do something through us, but in us. I really believe that. It starts there. And, uh, and thank you, ladies. I know you guys are back. You guys came back from the IF conference. Yeah, that's right. One more time. The IF conference. All right. I know it was an awesome time. It was a time of refreshing. It was a time of getting honest. And I, I believe that is so needed uh, today. And uh, also the, the growth track happened. So if you were part of growth track, thank you. And if you missed it, man, you join in next week. I, I hope I'm speaking all right and, and catch up here. Uh, but last week, uh, Paul got to speak to us. And uh, he, he spoke about taste and see. And if you missed that, you guys, please catch up online as well. And as the ushers are going to come forward, as we're going to receive the offering, and uh, hopefully we have something for it. No, no one standing. Thank you. Uh, just, uh, I need some, uh, some hushers. That's right. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. All right, here we go. They all, now 10 of them went out. <laughs> It's awesome. It's, yes, it's incredible. Uh, you know, we, I always go back to Matthew uh, 6.33, where we seek first God's kingdom, and that's what we're doing. When we come together, 
We don't want to just do a, a continued church service. That's not the goal of it. The goal is to be filled with uh, the mission of God, the love of God, and then to take it out. And I'm going to say it in the message, but eternity doesn't stop, start at some point like when we pass. Eternity starts right now. Jesus, when he came, he says, the kingdom is here. The kingdom is now. And I really believe that, that you and I, that we could be heaven coming to earth, that we could be answers to prayers, answers to loneliness, answers to hurt. And that's, that's, that's what we do. But guess what? Every time it's going to cost us. It is. And I pray that as Hill City Church, we live a generous life and we seek God first, his kingdom, his righteousness, and all the things that we worry about. He's like, if you take care of my, my, me, I'll take care of you. I got you. I'm God. I got you. So let's trust him in that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today, Lord God. I thank you for the people in here, Lord God. They are here on purpose. They are here absolutely on purpose. And I pray, Lord God, that your comfort would be in this room, Lord God as well as your truth and your love. We, we love you, God. And uh, I pray that uh, people would, uh, man, would find you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. Amen. We are going through a new series. And we're starting a new series today. And it, we're going through the letter of First Peter. It's, how many, it's, I love Peter. I love Peter. I call Peter the people's champion right? The people's champion. And I call him that uh, because before there was uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson, there was Peter the Rock, right? There was Peter the Rock. And if you ever look up a picture of Peter the Apostle, they're all horrible. So I picked one of the horrible ones. Look at that. That's like, uh, that's like life touch, you know, something you do at school. I was like, that's, that's amazing, I like that tinted green. That's what I would have picked for pictures, right? But I love Peter. Yeah, look at that. He's doing the eyebrow thing. I can't do that. Some of you guys can. Uh, but I love Peter because this is the guy that Jesus picked, right, that to begin his church. Think about that. He, I like him because he's, uh, there's something about Peter we can identify with. He's altogether normal, Right? He's just normal. He's this normal dude. He's reactive. I don't know about you, but Peter's this reactive kind of guy. He has a big mouth, right? I don't know if you have a big mouth, but I can say some stuff that I shouldn't say, right? I, I, he, he does regrettable things, right, And which I find refreshing because I'm not perfect. My life can get messy, and I'm grateful that Jesus picks people like Peter. Some of us, we're in this room, and our life is messy right now. Yesterday, uh, there's uh, two ladies in this room that I got to do a funeral for their father at 46 years old, right? That's, yeah, I was thinking, and, and I, I want to thank you guys for being here. I, honestly, thank you for being here because that's heavy, right? See, we, 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 we don't know what the person right next to us is going through. I'm telling you, they look all put together. They, everything looks perfect, but there's people in this room that need you, that need you. They, they don't, and, 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 and it makes a difference when you smile. It makes a difference when you greet and love them and you listen to their story. It makes a big difference. And that's what Jesus does with Peter, this really, really normal guy. I love the New Testament, and there's a couple of writers. There's many writers in the New Testament. There's Paul, right? Paul the apostle. He's like this genius level intellectual. I love Paul. 
and, 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 and he's like this tenured professor at Harvard when he speaks. You ever read the, 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 the message of Paul, and you're like, you are such a genius. Then there's Peter, who's like on John level, right? I find that Peter is like, is like this. I, like Jesus was going through Home Depot and saw Peter. He's like, you want to follow me? He's like this guy from Home Depot. He, I, in my mind's eye, he like plays competitive softball, right? And listens to gangster rap when his kids aren't around. That's, that's how I see of Peter. I'm like this normal guy that Jesus picked, and he had a potty mouth, right? And you see that in, in, the, in the Bible. And, and this is who Jesus handpicks to lead the church, to begin the church. It's crazy, which gives people like us in this room, right, hope that we don't need to come to God all cleaned up. Rather, God takes our crazy our past, our downfalls, our fears, and still works in us and through us as we walk with Jesus. He fills us. He moves through us. And we soon find out it's not us. It's him, which is a beautiful, beautiful thing when you find out that God, it's about him. And it's, it's so, there's a levity to that. There's a levity to that. And with that in mind, we're going to step into 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 1. All right. We, love, we cheer for the word of God because we believe the word of God reveals Jesus, and Jesus can absolutely change your life. I absolutely believe that. So the writings of Peter starts, uh, he writes to the new Christians that are scattered abroad. That is what he writes. These are Christians that these churches, and just uh, when, you, when you hear the word churches, don't think of buildings. These are houses, right? These houses, these people, they're hiding out, and they're scattered abroad because of persecution, because of cultural oppression. And they're, they're, these, they're trying to follow Jesus, but they're going through so much suffering. And listen, Peter doesn't hide the hard questions of suffering. I'm, I'm telling you, he doesn't run from it. He's fully aware of the problem of suffering that it presents to our faith. Like how does suffering and pain coexist with a good God? Have you ever asked that question? We've asked it in some way. Like, why am I going through this? If I'm going through this, God, how can you be good? Or, or why do good people suffer? Or why does evil go unpunished? How do we live out this faith and love in the middle of opposition? And that's what First Peter is all about. And that's why it makes sense to us. It's normal. He's like, oh, Peter, that's what you're talking about? I go through that all the time, man. And so as we're going to step in 1 Peter 1.1, 1, 1, and we're going to go right away, right? And I'm going to go uh, in, in this series. I'm going chapter by chapter, all right? So it says 1 Peter 1.1, 1, 1, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to God's elect, exiled, exiles, scattered throughout, throughout here, there, the provinces of Pontus, Galatia. He's, he's talking to all the churches of Asia Minor. And, and, and this is what he says. He's telling them. He starts by telling these people, and I'm, I'm starting by telling you today, who you are, not what you do. A lot of times we try to figure out what we do determines who we are. But Peter is saying that our identity determines our activity, not the other way around. Listen, when we figure out who we are and whose we are, we act and actually believe it, it begins to change everything in us. How you see yourself, how you see God, how you see your life, and what you believe about your life is possible. Some of us, before Christ, we used to say, I can never change. I'll never change. Man, this hurt, it's never going to go away. I'm always going to look at my life this way. And I want to say your activity and how you see the world is determined by your identity, how you see God and how God sees you. So we soon find out that Jesus, I want to tell you straight up, Jesus is not after behavioral modification today. 
that's so short-lived. I don't know. I, I, I brought my kids into service um, this Sunday uh, at the gathering. I got to speak before the service. So I've, this is the second time around. But my, my son Ezra is sitting right here playing with a bouncy ball. And the, the first thing I said, you be good, all right? Guess what he does? Chucks that bouncy ball. It's like worship time. Bouncy ball is like, gong, gong, gong. And I look at him. I was like, behavioral modification did not work, <laughs> right? He is still seven years old. <laughs> He is still crazy. No matter how, like, I wanted to front like my family was all good and together. Like, I got this under control. Then immediately they throw me under the bus. Like, oh, uh, you know, that doesn't normally happen. You know, that's not, that's not how uh, the O's do. But I was like, oh, forget it. He's my son. I love him. And he's seven years old. Calm down, folks. Calm down. That's the, and I was just thinking that. We can't correct by behavioral modification. What we do is I tell him, man, I love you. Go get that ball. I can't believe you did that. Don't embarrass me. No, I didn't, I didn't do that. I love you. You're my son. You're my son, right? And, 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 and as we correct our identity, as we establish our identity, our birthright, then we begin to change from the inside. And you and I, we have a birthright in God. We are sons. We are beloved daughters. And you are God's elect. You are his own. You are in his family. You are his kids. Verse 3 says this. Praise be to God, our Father, of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in his great mercy, in his great mercy, he has given us a new birth. Say new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, from the work of Jesus Christ, what he did on the cross and being resurrected, and it says, verse 4, and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept for you in heaven for you, right? And if we have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, that means you are an heir, and I love the word heir because some of you guys, you guys are heirs in here, right? You're, and and there's, gonna, there's a promise for you. There's an inheritance for you. And we understand that physically. Like we have like maybe a rich grandpa and we're like, man, rich grandpa has five houses. And like you might be working at, uh, I don't know, like, like at good times today, but you know one of the how you know that you are you have an inheritance, so you you know that the future is taken care of. And in the same way, right? Understand your future is in heaven in Christ. He's got you. You don't, and your identity is his. You are an heir to, to God, to the inheritance that he has for you, the love he has for you can never perish, spoil, or fade, it says. And, 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 and know this, an inheritance is never by your goodness, right? You don't ever deserve an inheritance. It's by someone else's work, someone else who loves you, who covers you, who leaves something for you. And, and, it, and God says this, and Peter writes this, it is through the life, through the sacrifice, through the resurrection of Jesus. You didn't earn it. So our identity is secured in Christ. It's secured what if we actually believed that our future was secured? Think about that for a moment. What if we actually believed in the words of Jesus when he says, you're mine. You're mine. I got you. There's an inheritance in heaven and your life is secured by me. So live. Don't hold back. Live. Live out your faith boldly because I got you. And I, I wonder, you know, someone was saying, we are, we, are, we are so normal. And I'm like, yeah, we are so normal. 
but there is so much supernatural in all of us. Each one of us, there's something in us. We are made in the image of God. You are made in the image of God. You might have never heard this, but you're made in the image of God, and God so, so loves you. I think we need to hear that more than ever, more than ever. And for many of us, we face identity issues. That's what we're facing, things we believe about ourselves, right? We're always looking for identity. If you don't believe me, just like look at the way we dress. We, we dress to belong to a certain way, right? We, we, we go to a certain gym, and when you're at a certain gym, they all look the same. It's funny. It's funny, right? I don't know if at Lifetime they wear kind of the same stuff. At my gym, they wear the same things. They, if one person buys the Beats headphones, then everyone has the Beats headphones. I'm like, all right, I need to get some Beats headphones. But then I ordered Beats headphones, and you guys understand that I bought the pink ones. I thought they were red, but they came out pink. And so I still rock the Beats headphones. Ask Candace. I got pink Beats headphones on. I'm rocking at the gym, right? I started going back. I was like, forget it. I bought it on Amazon. It was $30 in my face. I missed it, all right? Could, I'm, men are colorblind in my face, all right? But I always are looking for identity to wherever I go. I'm looking for an identity. And, 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 and we have an identity, and we think weird stuff about ourselves, like I'm not valued. And this is legit, right? We feel like I'm forgotten in this place. I'm abandoned. I'm not loved. I'm not needed. I'm unforgivable because of the, because of the things I have done. And then here comes Jesus and says, I love you so much. Your identity is secured in me, not by your works, but by the inheritance, by what I'm leaving you, what I got for you, what I did for you. So we are always, it, it, when we're, our identity is not secure, we're always working for it, trying to make much of ourselves so that our activity can dictate our identity. But Jesus says, no, that's not how it works in me. We are who God says we are. So you can either let culture tell you who you are or let God tell you who you are. But we can't do both. Think about that for a moment. Who are you? And who do you tell yourself that you are? Some of us, we speak the most negative words over ourselves, right? You would never say these words to anyone else, but you say them to yourself, right? I, I know this because I'm like that. And anyone like self-condemning like, uh, like I am, right? I say things, I'm like, why did I say that? That's crazy. I wouldn't say that to anyone else, but I say these crazy things to myself. And I, I, want, you to I want to tell you, your identity is not established by you, thank God. It's not established by how good you are. It's established by the work of Jesus Christ, the love that God has for you. You were made in the image of God. You are his child. And that's what Jesus offers. Verse 6 says, in all of this, you rejoice, you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. Yes, Jesus it says we, we have hope, we have peace, we have forgiveness, right? We have abundance of life. But he also says he promises us suffering. That's right. I wanna, I wanna, if, if you've heard, like, if you follow Christ, everything's going to be perfect. It is not true. It's not true. We live in such a fallen, broken world. We do. And we are not, we are not whole. And that's why we need Christ to be whole. We're going through suffering. Christians are not immune from suffering. 
right? Following Jesus is not all butterflies and roses, right? We ha- you have to make sacrifices, deny yourself, live differently, serve, give, care, because you're following Jesus. Yet when you face your hardship, know that God has not abandoned you, nor does he hate you. All this is living out in this broken world. So Peter reminds us it will only last a little while. And for some of you, I want to tell you, what you're going through will only last a little while. And the younger you are, the harder it is to believe this. I, believe me, because uh, that's how I thought. I, I, the younger I am, I believe that my season is my story. And the older you get, you're like, my season's not my story. It's just my season. It's my season. Don't get locked up in your season that that's your identity. Your season is not your story. Your story is in the hands of God. It is. So put, put your identity back into his hand because he's got you. He loves you. He's the God who is in the storm with you. So Peter reminds us, don't waste this moment. This incredible opposition can be an incredible opportunity to show the difference that Jesus makes even when it's hard. So greatly rejoice. And I was thinking about that. What do you mean rejoice? Can suffering and joy coexist? God, can, can I be going through suffering and still have joy? I started thinking about that, and I was like, I think so. Because there's, I, I was thinking about my wife when she was having my daughter. She was going through suffering, but there was joy. It was a suffering that led to joy. I think about that moment. I think about it. The struggle in childbirth resulting in joy because of the promise of new life. Right? I was like, ooh, that matches the promise of new joys, a new story, a new hope. I believe God has given us that promise and that joy for the Christian, for those who believe and walk with Christ. And I don't know where you stand with that. You might be brand new to faith in here. But I'm telling you, suffering, in your suffering, you can find joy in Christ. He, he, he desires you. He loves you. He can coexist. Because Jesus, he went through suffering. But it says in the words of Hebrews, it says, for the joy set before him. I love those words. That he saw you. That he saw me set before him. When he was going through the cross, when he was, getting, when he was going through the cross, he saw you. He saw your face. Just close your eyes for a moment and just imagine that God sees you. I think sometimes we have to put that through our minds because we forget through the busyness of life and through the words that we have spoken over ourselves and the words that other people have spoken over us, we forget that we are a joy set before Christ. You can open your eyes. And if we can understand that and if we believe that, it will change everything in people just like us and like Peter. Verse 7, these have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, the struggles, the suffering, to prove the genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though it's refined by fire, many may, uh, may result in praise, glory, honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So Peter is saying that God can take even these moments that's breaking you to make you, refine you, mature you, resulting in praise, glory, and honor. To God. So Peter's saying, hold on tight. But here's the big question that we ask ourselves. What do we do between here and there 
right? What do we do between now and eternity, between the person we are and the person God says we are, between the father I am and the father I want to be when I'm struggling, when my mind is still dealing with lust? I thought, I thought after 39 years it would go away, right? No, John, you're still struggling with it. You, you, you thought, oh, after all these years, it'll go away. No, we still struggle. God is still making us. We need to be honest about that, right? My, and when I, well, what do I do when I still get so upset? When I, when I say things that I shouldn't say so I can get my way. I don't know if you're like me, but I can manipulate certain words and say it a certain way to get my way, right? And I'm like, John, you are so evil. Why do you do that, Right? I don't know about you. You're like, I don't do that. I'm, I'm perfect. I, well, well, I'm sorry, right? I say I can say things and link up words just to get my way, not for the benefit of everyone, but for the benefit of me, right? What do I do when I still feel defeated in my faith? When I feel like what I have done puts me too far from God? When following Jesus gets so hard, Peter says do two things that Jesus did. Number one, live holy. You're like, oh man. And this does not mean get more religious, right? This does not mean buy more Christian t-shirts and pray for 20 hours a day and then wake up for four, you know, and sleep for four. No, it means we dive deeper into our God-given identity, not religious activity. Declare who you are. Some of us, we need to declare who we are in Christ. We are. I'm a son, I'm a daughter, I am loved, I have been forgiven. Sometimes we have to tell ourselves that. I have been forgiven, and I can forgive, right? Some of us in this room, we struggle with forgiveness. Guess what? Forgiveness takes a very, very long time, right? It happens once, and every time it pops up, you do it again, you do it again, you do it again. You do it one major time, you're like, oh, and you're like, oh I thought I was free of that. Then you have to do it again, do it again, do it again. And then you're married. Hey, Candace is married to me, so you have to do it again, how many times should I forgive them, Peter asked Jesus. Another bad question, right? Peter asked bad questions. Yeah? Oh, forever, dude. He's like, what? What? And I tell Candace that. You need to continue to forgive me because I'm crazy, right? But that's what it means. You declare who you are in Christ. Like Peter, he told himself. I, I, I bet Peter called himself. He, he was called Simon, but I bet he called himself Peter, the rock. He's like, I'm Peter, the rock right? It sounds way better. Even though I don't feel like one, even though I fall down, I'm getting back up again. I'm Peter, the rock. I'm proclaiming my birthright. Don't settle for just more Christian stuff. Verse 14 and 16 says, as obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires that you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. And holy literally means set apart and separate, right? There should be a distinctiveness in how we live in what matters most and what we're known for. But this is hard by nature because we want to go with the flow. I don't know about you. I like to blend sometimes. I want to just blend in, right? I don't want to be. I don't want to be on the outside. I, I, there's a longing to be accepted. So Peter is reminding us of our identity that we are a reflection of Jesus. Don't conform. You are God's own. And he says this: Eternity starts now. I want you to write that down if you're taking notes. Eternity doesn't start at someday. It starts today. It starts when Jesus, oh man, it just reveals in you and your soul awakens and you start seeing the world in a different light. Eternity starts now. So how many of you guys are trying to get healthy? Anyone trying to get healthy? 
I started hitting the gym for two weeks now. I'm like, all right, I'm on two weeks. But I still like hamburgers and maybe two at night. And I'm like, oh, I wish I could lose 30 pounds just by wishing to be healthy, right? I don't know about you, but that's how I, I work, right? But look, to get healthy, you must live as a healthy person. You must switch your identity, right? If you continue to keep your identity as unhealthy and you continue to eat two hamburgers at night like I did last night because Sienna didn't eat all of it, I was like, we can't waste food, <laughs> right? I was like, give me that hamburger. Then I drank her drink and ate her fries. <laughs> I was like, get out of there. Go upstairs. It's, it's past your bedtime, right? But if, if you can want and desire to be healthy all you want, but you have to start identifying, changing your identity into healthy. What do healthy people do? How do healthy people eat? How do healthy people exercise? If you do not change your identity, then you don't just all become healthy at once. You're like, oh, I'm just becoming healthy because I desire it. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't. If it did, I would have an eight-pack right now, and I would, I would wear a midriff shirt all the time. All right? Like, I, I was reading one of my goals that says six-pack in my 40s. I'm almost 40. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's going to have to happen this year. <laughs> Help me. I like burgers at night, right? But you got to change your identity. you got to. Right? I've used this before. Many of us, we want to follow Jesus with all our hearts, right? Any one of us, you, you've ever, like, um, uh, liked sports figures? Guys, I want to talk to guys. Who's your favorite, like, sports figure? And Kristen, who, uh, Paul, no, not Paul George, yeah, get out of here, yeah, right, maybe it's Kevin Durant, we'll meet in the middle, yeah, we'll meet in the middle, she's an Oklahoma fan, and I love that Kevin Durant is now in Oakland, San Francisco, right, that's right, until next year, he's not moving to New York, no, uh, but uh, you might not even know what I'm talking about, but when I was a kid, I loved baseball, right, and I was a Giants fan, and you guys might not be Giants fans, I took the bus, like two hours to get to Giants games, like a couple times a week during, uh, during uh, the summer. When I had summers off, I would always be at Candlestick Park as a kid with my Giants hat, my Giants jersey. I would rip my hat up just like the players would do it, right? Will Clark ripped his hat, so I will rip my hat. I had the Will Clark bat, the Will Clark glove. I had his jersey on. I was like, I'm Will Clark, right? And guess what? I was horrible at baseball, but I looked good. Right? So I was nothing like Will Clark, but I had all his gear, right? If I want to get healthy, maybe I have to wear yoga pants or something like that, right? No, I'm just kidding, right? Yeah, they're like, don't, don't. But I'm saying this. If you actually want to be like Will Clark, guess what you got to do? You got to wake up in the morning at 6 o'clock and you got to throw that baseball. You got to swing that bat a thousand times a day so that you know perfectly when that pitch is coming. You got to eat healthy so you can run as fast as you can. You got to strength train every day. See, I wanted to wear the gear and be Will Clark without doing the disciplines of Will Clark, right? And sometimes that's how we do with our faith. We want to wear the gear, but we don't want to do what the disciplines of Jesus. We don't want to actually do the holy part to be separate. If you want to be like Jesus, you don't need to wear the gear. You can wear whatever you want, but you got to start praying to God. There has to be prayer. you got to put yourselves in situations where you pour yourself out, even when you get so tired. There's moments where he was tired, but he turned around and loved people. you got to be known as friends of sinners. Are you known as friends of sinners, friends of those who are going through hard times? Because that's what Jesus was known for. 
Do you go? Do you go to these places? Are you there because you want to be like Jesus, not because you're wearing the gear? Who cares about the gear we wear? Who cares about the way that we, we say the right things in Christianese, man? And I, all that doesn't matter if we're not living the way Jesus lived. That's what it means to be holy. It has nothing to do with religiosity and everything to do with following Jesus. Live holy. Eternity starts now. And number two, love deeply. It says, verse 22, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, by believing Jesus, finding your identity in him, in, the, in his resurrection, in his sacrifice, so that you have sincere love for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Not just because I'm telling you to. I'm not asking you to fake it. But love people deeply, genuinely, because you care. But how do you do that, John? I don't know about you. When I'm suffering... I don't like to focus on other people. And, and Peter's writing to people who's suffering, and he's like, man, in your suffering, love people deeply. It's like, wow. My tendency when I'm going through hardship is to focus on me. I don't know how your tendency is, right? But listen to Peter. Now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, we find our identity in God. This identity leads us to activity. The more you find that you are God's own, the more the change will happen on the inside. And, and, and you will start loving people deeply from the heart. Man, if you tear up because you care, don't, don't block that out of your life. I want you to care more. And if you got to, and you know what? When you get into people's lives, guess what? It's messy. Loving people always means you're going to suffer. Right? Parents, you know that. Right? Friends, you know that. When you're a really good friend, you suffer with your friend. Isn't it true? When they're good, you, you know, you celebrate with them. When they're bad, you mourn with them. You tear with them. You reach out to them. You hold on to them. Love people deeply from the heart. I love what Tim Keller says. He's one of my favorite pastors. He's from Manhattan. And he wrote this, and it's going to be put up. To be loved but not known is comforting but superficial. It's true. To be known and not loved is our greatest fear. But to be fully known and truly loved is, well, a lot like being loved by God. It is what we need more than anything. It liberates us from pretense. We don't need to fake it. We're free. I know I'm loved by God. I'm good. If you, you accept me or not, I'm good. My identity comes from Christ. So I'm liberated from pretense, from faking it. It humbles us out of our self-righteousness. It also does the other side. Because you don't need to get all big on yourself because you know it all comes from God. It's all from his inheritance. It's all from his sacrifice. And it fortifies us. I love the word fortify. It strengthens us, puts a wall around us for any difficulty life can throw at us because we believe that God's got us. Our identity is secured in Christ. Nothing about faking it. When I'm suffering, I Christ more. I want you to dig into Jesus more. If you've never done that before, we have Grove Track. We have people in the back that can help you in the, at the Welcome Center. If you're new today and you need more information or you need prayer, we want to pray for you today. So what does this look like in our lives in everyday life? When someone we know is going through it or walking through suffering or loss or heartbreak, and let me tell you, there's people right next to you that's 100% going through it. I want you to find your identity. And I'm speaking to the Christians in this room. I want you to find your identity in Christ. 
Maybe you need to write a note today. You know who's suffering. Maybe you need to make a call. You know you need to make amends. Send a text. And don't just pray for them. I'm going to just pray for them in my quiet time. That's what we say. No, do something. Prayer takes us into action because we actually know what God desires us to do because we're praying. A prayer that leads to no action. I'm just like, what are you talking about? That doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. It costs us, Christians. It costs us from identity in Christ. We can make a meal. My wife is great at this. You know what I love is DoorDash. I'm like, I'll make a meal all right, right? I'll send you that. I, I sent you guys pizza, right? I, and I was like, because usually I would make a can. I wouldn't make anything. I'm sorry. Candace would make a meal. Yeah, she's so good at it. Pay for someone's groceries. You know who's struggling in their bills. Maybe you just need to pay for groceries. That'd be such a life change for them, right? Little things. Give a word of encouragement. Man, tell people, your hair's on point, Right? Man, do you know how much God loves you? Make it loud. Make it clear. Don't hide out. Your words are powerful. Love deeply from the heart. Share your struggles. Share your story. Our story can only be shared when we are willing to share our struggles because we're being honest so they can be honest. It sets people free. Share your life. But why do this, John? Because God is our Father as we close right now. Why do this? Why do this? Because God's our Father, and this is what we do. These are our brothers and sisters. This is what it looks like to be part of the family of God. Brothers and sisters, remember who you are. Our activity flows from our identity, and how we live is determined by who we are and whose we are. And like our Father in heaven, we live our lives differently, holy, and we love others deeply from the heart, even when it's hard, even when it costs us, even if we look bad. Do it. Because we live for the audience of one. That's a big deal. We do. We live for the audience of one. That's really it. That's what it looks like to follow Jesus. It's not complicated. I don't want to complicate faith. We find our identity in Jesus. We love others deeply from the heart. I love, let's stand. And if you know, if, you, if you've grown up in church, I love that Simon Peter is called the rock, right? Because the truth is, everywhere you read, he's no rock at all. It's funny that he, Jesus calls him the rock, right? It's like calling me six-pack. I'm no six-pack at all, right? So Jesus calls Simon Peter the rock, and he's no rock at all. He was emotional. He was prideful. He was a loud mouth. He, Jesus actually had to call him Satan at one point, right? So you're doing good if you haven't been called Satan from Jesus, right? He denies Jesus three times when he needed his friend most. He was no rock. But Jesus saw in him what he could not see in himself. And in this room, many of us see what we see. We see our addiction. We see our selfishness dressed in religion. We see unforgiveness. We see brokenness, anger, weakness. But for a moment, I want you to see through the eyes of Jesus and how he sees you. His child, chosen, you are wanted, you are loved. Satan wants to steal your identity so he can limit your activity and wreck your eternity. But Jesus came to give life and life more abundantly. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, be here with us right now, Lord God. There is power in your name, Lord God. There is power once we figure out. I think the last thing the enemy of our soul wants us to figure out is who we are 
in God. Some of us in this room, we're struggling with our identity, Lord God. And there's others in this room that are strong right now, and we should be the ones that are helping. God, I pray for people who are suffering today. If you're in this room and you're just struggling, can you just raise your hand? That's okay. Just raise your hand. It's okay. And I want the person next to you just to put their hand on your shoulder. Just do it. Don't be, don't be, just keep your hands raised. It's good. This is the good thing. And if you're around someone, put your hands, move, 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 move. Put your hands on their shoulder and cry with them if you need to cry with them. Lord, I pray, be here today, Lord God. There's people in this room that are suffering so deeply, Lord God. And you love them so much, Lord God. And the tears, Lord God, it says that even when you heard of Lazarus, Lord God, you wept, Lord God. I pray we weep and mourn with those who are mourning. We celebrate with those who are celebrating. Heavenly Father, bring healing in this room, Lord God. Bring peace, Lord God, that only you can bring. Others of us in this room, we are far from Jesus, and you know you just need to get right. And you don't need to raise your hands at all. But if today is your day and you need Jesus in your life, I want you to pray a prayer that says, Father, forgive me. God, help me find my identity in you, Lord God. Let today be a start, a fresh start for me, Lord. I make you Lord of my life. I try to be master of my own life and it's not working, God. I need you, Lord God. But I'm still struggling. I'm confused. But I pray, Lord God, Reveal in me who you are. And I pray for the rest of us today as we leave this room, Lord God. We live holy and we love deeply, Lord God. Let us live out the attributes of Jesus, not just wear the garb and the gear and say the right words. Let us do what you did. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, amen. God bless you and thank you for being here. And if you need to continue to pray, if you need someone, I'm up here to pray for you. And we have people all around you who love you. God bless you guys.